You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hello and welcome to episode 117 of the Manage Mental Podcast, a weekly discussion on hot topics in the music biz for the up-and-comers, the brand newbies, the beginners, and aspiring rock stars of tomorrow. This podcast is propelled by your input and feedback, so please rate and review and leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this show. I'm your host, Mr. Blasco, and as always, I am joined by my good friend, the co-host from the other coast, Mr. Mike Mowry. What up, what up, Blasco? Fucking, uh, yeah, man. Good to be back on the mic with you. Always always gets me excited. Yes, it's uh, it's been a minute. We've uh, Mike and I have had some, some scheduling challenges, but we are back in the saddle. Um, in the uh, last episode, we chatted about building communities within your fan base. That was a really great episode, so check it out if you haven't already. This week, we talk about adapting your songwriting to fit into streaming formats. This is going to be killer, so let's get mental. Oh yeah. So, Mike, I, um, I came across a heavily relevant article uh, written by James Shotwell of Hollix. And the title is How the Spotify Sound is Changing Music. And just a simple observation that, um, that when we refer to streaming, right, we immediately equate that with Spotify. So if I talk about streaming, but I talk about it in a way to where I mention Spotify, you know that I'm referring to streaming in general. I just Got found it. that as an interesting yeah, definitely. And I think, matter. yeah. And I think for the genre, you know, it is so interesting. And I saw an article yesterday that, you know, Amazon music is like the fastest growing platform and what have you. But, you know, I know my experience in the rock world and metal world. Yeah. I mean, I think of Spotify when you do say streaming, you know, I know that the other platforms exist. I think Apple music, I probably sort of take for granted because it's, you know, been that association with Apple, which has been around forever and iTunes. Um, so yeah, it is, it's, that is just a curious point for you to bring up, you know, out of the gates is there are, I mean, there's tons of other streaming platforms, but Spotify is the one that comes to mind for me. Yep. Agreed. So it starts off like this. Spotify has disrupted the music business in many and amassed influence to the point where Spotify is shorthand for streaming itself. If that's not enough change, the way in which Spotify and other streaming platforms pay artists has fundamentally altered how some musicians are structuring their songs. So let's break it down. Spotify has revolutionized how artists make money from their music. The company pays on average between 0.006 and 0.0084 per song stream. A single stream is counted when the listener has played 30 seconds of the track. If the listener finishes the song, 
that's great, but it doesn't change the amount of money the stream earns for the artist. So how about that, Mike? Yeah, and and just, you know, I'm got the the benefit of looking at your notes um and and looking at what is 0.006 to 0.0084. I mean, that's 6 tenths of a cent. So it's not you know to to 0.85 you know tenths of a cent. So it's not even a penny. Which no whatever it almost doesn't matter at that point i mean you know again it sort of goes back to office space where <laughs> you know they start diverting these uh micro transactions and end up millionaires so i don't want to say that it doesn't matter between six tenths of a cent and 0.84 of a cent of course the, the the larger one is better but yeah as you multiply these numbers by millions and millions and millions it makes a huge difference so i you know i love you digging these things up for me because as fluent as you and I are in the generalities of the business, you know, sometimes the weeds of particular things, um, I'm getting my own education session as we go here. So let me reread it for myself. A single stream is counted when the listener has played 30 seconds of a track. Great. So the listener finishes the song. That's great, but it doesn't change the amount of money that the stream earns for the artist. So, I imagine as we go through the the rest of these notes, it'll that you know it's almost like this is setting the foundation of okay. The real point that you need to understand here is after thirty seconds, if somebody moves on, artist or you know it's hard to say this because artists might not be getting the money directly if they're signed to a label. Whoever owns the master and has it up there, they're getting paid once somebody eclipses thirty seconds. Great point Correct. to know, right? Correct and. You know, it's it's something to point out too that a stream, like so, when you're racking up your tally of streams, keep in mind that all platforms are different, right? Like if you look at the difference between a YouTube video and a the same video on that you put on Facebook, it's different. Facebook is uh, racks up a, a view um, at a much quicker rate than it does on YouTube, right? And so all these all these platforms are different. In the case of Spotify, it is 30 seconds. So um, that stream will count, right? And you will get paid accordingly once the listener listens to 30 seconds. So if the, the point here is that um, if, you're, if your song isn't engaging within the first 30 seconds, you're gonna have a problem. And the fact of the matter is that a 45 second song versus a five minute song, if the listener gets to the first 30 seconds, the pay is the same. Does that make now, sense? Now, I don't know the answer to this, but I'm, I'm assuming. I mean, what happens if you jump in? Let's say, you know, the new band or, you know, band has a new album. The intro is a minute and the banger part of the, of the track comes in right at a minute. And what happens if... I, you know, I love the songs. The only place that I listen to is on Spotify and I skip that first minute, but always go to the, you know, whatever, as I'm scrubbing, you know, the, the controller, uh, either on my phone or on my computer and I get to a minute and then play to a minute 30. Do you know, I don't know the answer to this. Do you know if, if that still counts because it's 30 seconds or is it? I do not know, but predictably I would think that if it's 30 consecutive seconds. Okay. I would agree as well. I would presume that as well. So interesting, you know, point that said, 
most people aren't going to listen to music that way. Like, oh, hey, let me skip right to this point. You know, it's we go on, we hit play. If you're impatient like me, sometimes you skip ahead, but I'm not going to, you know, I'd rather just, uh, you know, sip, take a sip of coffee during that first minute. (laughs) For sure. So with this in mind, it's easy to understand why many industry experts claim Spotify has changed the sound of music. The Spotify sound, as it has been dubbed, refers to artists who waste no time getting to the heart of their song. The days of lengthy introductions or slow-burning tracks has been replaced by immediate choruses or other attention-grabbing tactics. Yeah, you know, there's the old adage, don't bore us, get to the chorus. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this isn't the first time that it's been, you know, proposed that... uh, a, a method of consumption has changed music. Obviously, you know, radio before streaming did a very similar thing. That's why your radio singles and your radio hits or what have you, you know, are, are pretty simple format. Verse, chorus, verse, chorus, you know, bridge, chorus. Cool. We're done. Three minutes, uh, you know, three minutes or less. And uh, we've got ourselves a radio hit in the making, provided that you've got a banger of a chorus. And so I do appreciate it. I mean, it, it, it is a very just interesting concept um, here. And, and yeah, as you said, it's like, what are the attention grabbing tactics? What's going to get the listener to hold on? And, and what I like about this is, you know, James, who is a really smart guy, I've had the pleasure of, of getting to know him over the years. You know, this can't be taken in a silo. Like you can't isolate it and have it be the only thing that's affecting, you know, music as a whole. Uh, it is like sort of this drilled down point that maybe people aren't even necessarily realizing is happening. Um, maybe some are, but it's like as... Yeah, just things kind of morph and change. You know, the the leaders of the pack who are doing it, there's bound to be tons and tons of followers. And so, um, you know, I think what I've seen in other, you know, sort of trend setting, and this is sort of this broader global sort of trend setting thing is, yeah, I mean, it, it in some senses, it is changing the, the scope of music. You know, in other senses, it's like, okay, you know, is that still just going to apply to kind of some of the single stuff, especially in the genres we work in? And I think you and I, you know, who manage artists would advise it's got to be good regardless. Uh, You know, attention grabbing is great for a minute, but we've watched, you know, artists try to grab attention through gimmicks and tricks. And usually that, that light fades pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, look from the artistic values of a band right as as songwriters and as artists i mean i feel like you know they'd all love they they all resonate with the fantasy of in bohemian rhapsody whenever they tell the record label this is our song this is the single it's six minutes if you don't like it shove it up your ass And then to take that all the way to the gigantic win that Bohemian Rhapsody became, right? I I, I feel like that's something that the true internal artist resonates with to such a degree. However, that is a once in a lifetime scenario that happened. And we are just living 
in a different world. So, um, you know, Spotify as a platform is really geared towards singles. And as a consumer base, it's a, a playlist generation. It, it doesn't really treat the album as art. Doesn't mean that you cannot make an artistic album and still treat that as a piece of art. But I think potentially what is the picture that's being painted here is that if you want to play the game, you got to have, you know, you got to have the ball, like you got to have the correct ball. And, um, and so it's like, if you're gonna, if you want to create art, that's great. But if you want people to hear your music and share your music and playlist your music on this particular platform, you might need to consider doing an edit of sort or write a song specifically with these factors in mind, right? So um, moving on, uh, another element of the Spotify sound is the length of a song, which again is a result of the company's approach to compensating talent. If a play is counted after 30 seconds of listening time, then artists are not incentivized to make longer songs. The more financially informed approach would be to record more material that is shorter, thus earning more money. A five-minute song earns as much as a two-minute song, but listeners can play multiple two-minute songs in the same amount of time, which means they can earn more money. Yeah. I mean, definitely at face value, this point is spot on. You know, the question is, do you have two great songs that people are going to spend 30 seconds listening to? And I think that's the only, you know, because we do a podcast, which I'm not going to say we critique what what these guys say. We we analyze it. And in analyzation, sometimes playing devil's advocate, you and I do, or I do, and uh, you know, and then you can can voice your opinion. It's uh, you know, essentially that's part of the gig here, and so that's the, you know, I just want to point out the sort of caveats to any of this. I mean, yeah, if you and I were to record two bangers, you know, mm-hmm. that crap, we can go back to the grindcore days. You know, it's like I'm I'm curious what happens if you have a 15 second song, right? Well, like, yeah, if you're, if you're DRI, what happens? Yeah. And it's like, okay, but we'll disregard the pink elephants and stick with, you know, you know, part of what we're doing is providing a platform where aspiring artists to, yeah, are kind of trying to play the game. I love the way you said it. If you're going to play the game, you got to have the right ball. And, you know, uh, I think it's, it's, it, it is great food for thought when writing a really long song that said you know most of the time unless it is a bohemian rhapsody or is some really outlier most bands are you know that i've worked with and seem to be unwilling to take no i should i should frame it differently uh oftentimes bands get married to uh too many songs because they're just not too too long of songs because they're not skilled songwriters it doesn't mean that they're not skilled riff makers it doesn't mean that they're not capable of creating interesting and sometimes great music it just means that when it comes down to chopping it up and leaving some stuff on the cutting room floor or the practice pad floor that is a 
is a skill that only comes from, you know, learning a, that, that particular skill. And so, you know, many bands and mind you, many bands who have five minute songs, sometimes, you know, the fans, especially in metal, you know, if, if that's the genre that we're talking about rock and metal, Hey, we've been trained to appreciate longer songs because we like artists to have some space to, to play, you know, uh, very different riffs and incorporate different atmospheric elements or whatever it may be that extends the length of a song. Sometimes we value that because it is different than the cookie cutter again, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. So, um, just kind of fascinating as a whole. I don't know. I don't know if I have a point, you know, a, a streamlined point other than it's, it's very interesting to look at it for this one platform but my advice would be don't allow it to uh, to dictate too much, uh, you know, uh, of what you're trying to do in order to write great, great music. For sure. Uh, and he continues, other platforms have different rules for what counts as a play. Some services require a certain percentage of the song to be enjoyed before a play is counted, while others have a higher minimum for time spent listening. Both methods of counting plays encourage the same thing. Artists should make shorter, catchier songs if they want to earn big from streaming services. Ah, crap. So right when I feel like I got it, we got to worry about these other platforms as well. Um, But that's the modern music business. And, you know, I think Blasco and my advice and one of the reasons why I think we work well together and giving you aspiring musicians and even you established musicians that, that tune in is... Um, you know, this is one part of a global component, and I don't mean global in the sense of traveling around the world. I mean, uh, you know, global in terms of a comprehensive approach to how to, uh, maximize your various streams of income. Uh, you know, I think you and I would both say, Hey, look, if you've got lengthy songs, and they're great and you may not, you know, have millions and millions of people listening to them, but the hundreds of thousands of people that are listening to them are very loyal and are going to come support you when you're playing live and when they're going to buy your t-shirts and they're going to buy these other products that are additional streams of income that has to be factored in. But inevitably you pointed out, look, you know, consumption is changing. Um, you know, again, radio, though the album was still very much a focus because the only typically the only way unless you were buying a single uh you know was to to get the hit that you heard on the radio uh or the banger that you saw when they played live you had to buy the whole album um and so the joke was on you you know if it was only one good song you spent 10 times as much you know in this economy uh you know, you, you're able to go in and hone in and that, that does prioritize singles, um, sort of in the way, you know, it's a gateway. If you've got one great song that's indicative, you know, that'll lure somebody in, you know, hopefully, and, and you and I, I, I know I've done it. I hear something that I'm totally surprised by a band that I don't know. I've, wow, what is this? And then I go check the album out and, um, inevitably, if there's more great songs, I, I do go back to the album and not just listen to one single over and over again. Yeah. So it's interesting that form follows function in that if you're an artist 
and you're a songwriter and you think back to the days whenever we only had vinyl records and cassettes, you would write and you would uh, uh, build your album around two sides, right? Because you flip the cassette over and you flip the vinyl over. And so you would structure it in a way to where side one encompassed an X amount of feel. And then side two had sometimes a different type of feel, but you structured it in a way to where like, this will be the first song on side two, right? And it was interesting. Then as we progressed into CDs, you no longer had sides. So you had to think of it in terms of how an album was structured without there being an intermission in the middle. And so you had to think of it as a complete story from start to finish. And then there was also too a bit of that of like, well, a CD holds 85 minutes. So we have to fill up the CD with as much content as possible so that it's of value to the consumer. Now we're, now we're in a different world where we're in a singles based uh, streaming business. Um, and it has clearly disrupted successfully the song structure. Um, so potentially the suggestion here is you have to consider this when writing songs or on the flip side, maybe what you have to do is as we had back in the day, Mike, as we had radio edits, whenever radio was a very big and prominent thing, if you had a five minute single, you would edit it down to the sweet spot of three minutes and 30 seconds max. Now it looks like we have to consider the streaming edit, something that is in the realm of two to two and a half minutes starts with the chorus, you know, get rid of the intro, get rid of the fluff, focus on the strong points and Maybe that is the ticket to where this isn't the version of the song, but it is the Spotify single version of the song. And that may be a real struggle for uh, artists as songwriters to wrap their head around, but I look at it as a challenge, right? Like this, this is the, this is the, this is the game we're playing. Um, And so as a songwriter, don't look at this as a negative. Look at it as a challenge. That's my two cents. Yeah, and and two things I'll add. And and what a fun episode. You know, um, the first is, you know, uh, and actually maybe I only have one. But have you had any conversations with artists that are making records that have distinctly said, "Okay, here we are in a streaming economy." let's structure our song a certain way. I have recently, um, a a band sent me their album. Um, and they're not a client of mine. They're just friends. And I really, like I'm a fan. Um, and they sent me their album and then they go, Hey man, you know, this is going to come out next year. You know, tell us what you think or whatever. And then they told me that the, this song was the single. I listened to the record and I went back to him and I go, I go that, song isn't the single this other song is the single and let me explain to you why 
And then I actually referenced this particular article and I, and, and I, I sent it to him and I go, maybe take a minute to take this song and do an edit accordingly to the suggestions here. Cut out the intro, right? Cut out the, cut out some of the bridge, focus on what the hook is and make this, you know, make this the, the streaming single. So I actually have very recently had that conversation. Yeah, I'm curious to see how it goes because I haven't had those conversations to date. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I guess the other thing that I was going to say is, look, one of the reasons we do this is, you know, Blasco and I thrive on the feedback that we get from others. So if you're out there listening and you've had experience with this, you know, if you've started to think about it, whether you're, you know, in a band or work at a label or, you know, are a prominent attorney in the business, um, we'd love to hear from you guys in regards to how this stuff is applying or not applying in your approach to, uh, yeah, your, your career. So here's my, uh, parting gift for anyone that is willing to do this. So a lot of this, uh, topically comes from the little Nas X song, old town road. Don't know if you're familiar with this song, Mike, but it is, um, a pop, urban country crossover song uh, done by an artist named Little Nas X that had a yep. country performer uh, sing the hook of the track. The original track is two minutes long, I think, or maybe even a little under two minutes. And then the remix that's getting a lot of, uh, a lot of traction is two minutes and 35 seconds, right? But this is probably the single most popular song uh in pop culture right now and um and not only that um it is a a distinct example of the disruption that uh that this article is talking about because that song is structured specifically to the guidelines of this article so now my tip is the first person that were not the first person the first band that does a heavier version of that song and puts it out in the inter into the streaming services is going to benefit greatly. (laughs) I love it. That's awesome. Pro tip from Blasco coming at you. Yep. Cover that song. Do it right now. Don't even think about it. Uh, Anyway, that concludes episode 117. Thank you for tuning in. We will be back here next week. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Blasco1313. We encourage you to email us any questions or comments you may have for the podcast to me directly at askblasco at gmail.com. If you have listened thus far, much respect to you for making efforts to educate yourselves and taking your future into your own hands. Mike, any final parting thoughts? You guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike O'Loop. And shout out to my boy, James Shotwell. And if you guys are looking on a additional ways to take your career to the next level check out the products that we offer over at outerloopcoaching.com yeah thanks everybody
Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.